Welcome back in listeners to another amazing episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a incredible guest joining us today. We have the writer and performer Alan Palmer, whose new work Chanteuse is playing July 11th through July 30th at the Here Arts Center. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting chanteusemusical.com. And this is an incredible show with a very timely and powerful message and story at the heart of it. So we are so excited to be sharing this with you today. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest, Alan Palmer. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for having me here. I am so excited for you to be here. I'm so excited about this show, Chanteuse, at the Here Arts Center, which is a wonderful venue. And all such great works. And we can now add your work to that list. (laughs) Chanteuse, would you mind starting us off by telling us a little bit about this show? Absolutely. The elevator pitch is it's a gay man's survival story of trying to escape, attempt avoiding being imprisoned by taking on his late landlady's identity and becoming a chanteuse in the supper clubs of Berlin in the 1930s. It's a beautiful piece and it's based on a, a bunch of different stories. When I went to Berlin and actually visited some of the camps, I I saw pictures of some incredible performers, and I kind of created stories and backstories for some of these people. I tried to do a lot of research to find these people, but a lot of them, there wasn't a lot to to go on, which was sad. (laughs) Yeah. And what a, as I mentioned, a powerful and a timely story. I mean, we were talking before, but it it was a, a story that as I was putting my information for this interview together... I was like, oh, what a fun interview. This is going to be great. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then I started reading what the show was about. And I was like, oh. And then it also hit me where I was like, I don't like that this is relevant to now. Like, yeah. it made me have this mm, feeling. Oh, it's it's terrible. And, and I wish these types of things were were history telling stories and not current stories but it's so good that we have the arts to be able to share these stories and hopefully educate more and more people to avoid these things happening again yeah you know you know and, and unfortunately history is repeating itself and it seems to I think this time around we're handling it a little bit better I'm hoping they have a lot more people to to be on the side of of the people that are being oppressed, and I think that's a, a, a crucial part of changing that that story. Yeah, it was interesting. I was touring in Europe, doing a show over there, and I happened to go to a club in in Germany one night. We were performing, and I was in there by myself. And I asked this gentleman who was sitting next to me. He happened to be a magistrate, and I said, "Hey, what do you think?" made Hitler famous. And this was before the internet really took off. But I was saying, you know, he, they, they didn't have newspaper, you know, they did have newspapers, but not no television. The radio system was sort of sparse during that time. And, you know, you didn't have People magazine, you didn't have these people that were touting, you know, fame. And I didn't know what made him famous. It was crazy. The entire club stopped what they were doing. And every patron in that place came over and sat with me. And I had a four-hour conversation with these amazing people that, you know, each had their own sort of ideas of why, what gave 
Hitler that power and 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 made people follow. And what's interesting about that after all these years is to see how people are following certain leaders now that that they some people can see this is a lie and some people can't. And and you kind of wonder still to this day you can see the truth right here. How can you not, how can you continue to follow that path of whatever you choose? You know, it's a different path now. And because I think we have so many choices and, and options of finding truth and knowing what is right and wrong. And so it was just an interesting time to be able to see how these people thought of this man and, and what gave him the power. Hmm. Wow. That would have been a, very interesting conversation to be a fly on the wall for. <laughs> it was super cool. So you had mentioned these these photographs and these stories that you were using to put together the the story of Shantus. Is that the ultimate place where you got the idea for the show? Yeah, I I I had a specific sort of story that I wanted to tell, and I wanted to see if there happened to be someone that might have mirrored the story and. There were, this particular story isn't exactly truth, but it is It is what happened to each person that I dissected from. I got, I got the storyline through. So truth happened of all of this and, you know, and, you know, the, the torture that they did, the, the encampments, how people tended to, to try to avoid being in prison. People did take on identities you know, that wasn't theirs and, and tried to, you know, stay in the shadows and try to avoid being in prison. But unfortunately, most of them were captured and a lot of them led to their death, which is a shame. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's a frightening story. The, the pop-up museum, we were, we were talking about that a little bit, really showcases the people that were part of this and, and breaks down the, the triangles each color that the way that they are set up and 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 it it ranks people the way that the Nazi party saw who was at the highest of you know who was who could get away with they they could get away with like office jobs and then everyone else were like workers and they they put the gays and lesbians into a lot of physical experiments they they did a lot of experimenting on them one of the stories that i tell in this show is they thought that being gay was because of a lack of testosterone so they would take these metal tubes and they would insert them in the male penis they'd make an incision and they would put testosterone in these metal tubes and they would try to give them extra testosterone in order to try to change the physicality and they realized that that didn't work and it actually uh, mutilated a lot of them and you know there's so many so many stories of of um, you know, they, they would test the boots out on a lot of the gay prisoners and they would, they would be too small or too big and they would give them a lot of calluses and, and blisters and they would just walk the fields the whole day until the shoes would wear out because they wanted to see how long these boots would last. You know, all these crazy stories, but a lot of the, 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 the interesting thing about it is that a lot of these uh, uh, gay and, gay and lesb lesbians weren't so much touched as much as the gay men because lesbians could they could hide it a little bit easier and it wasn't you know think of straight men they don't find it as disgusting to to see two women 
as they would to men. And that's the reason why that the, the whole thing, the lesbians weren't taken as much as the men were. But it, it's interesting after the war, when they released everyone out of the prisons, they re-arrested the gay people, the gay men, and put them back in prison because it was still considered a, a crime to be gay at the time, which was interesting because in 1929, the, the Reich said almost decriminalized homosexuality and they had a stock market crash and it took, uh, it took their attention away from the vote that they were going to vote on. And so it ended up not passing. And directly after that was when Hitler came into power. And it's, it's such a crazy time. The, the many questions of what if. Yeah. Know. Yeah. The, the high life of the 20s. I mean, think about how cool that was. And, it, and then mirror it back to today where, you know, gay marriage is finally a thing. And, and equal rights and, and, you know, you're no longer able to be harassed in the workplace. And then all those things are slowly being taken away and the women's right to choose and, you know, all these crazy things that, and, and the Jewish people, God love them. Please leave them alone. You know? Ugh. Well, back to your show, I was wondering, what has it been like developing Shantou's? Well, the very first time I did it, I did it for the Queer Solo Festival in San Francisco, and they only allowed me 15 minutes. So I had, I put two songs in the show and had to hurry and put the whole arc in within that 15 minutes. It was really tough to do, but it was so incredibly well received. And it was the first time, this is the first time I've ever done a drama. I, I, I really like to entertain and make people laugh. So I knew that I wasn't going to get that feedback from the audience. And the very first time I heard it, an audible gasp, it hit me like a brick. It was like the most incredible feeling. And at the same time, I'm like, don't do that too much more out loud because I wasn't prepared for it. And I, I, I break down so easily, you know, I, I, I kind of tend to gravitate towards other people's feelings. So it kind of, <laughs> it took me on that direction. However, it was a great experience. Then a really dear friend, Philip Crosby from Richmond Triangle Players, he had done, I had premiered two other shows at his theater, and he had, has brought all my shows to there at one po point in time or another, and said that he would like to have it be part of their their season. And so last January, we, we did it there, and it was so well received. And the interesting thing about it was I had a heck of a time finding a director the show is written it does you can't just read it and get the idea of it you have to actually see it and so every time I would send it out to a director most of the time I wouldn't even get a response back however I, I had a really wonderful gentleman here say you know I, I respect everything that you're doing and I look forward to seeing it but it doesn't seem like it's my type of show and he came to see the show and closing night he sent me a lovely message saying, I, I just want to say, start off by saying, I was so wrong. This is, so, and he said, he goes, congratulations. I was so incredibly wrong. He goes, I still don't think I would have been the perfect person for it, but wow, congratulations. It's an awesome show. So that's a cool thing, right? Yeah. So, so that's cool. And I was so fortunate to find Dorothy Dottie Danner. She's old gypsy in the day where she, she was in God, any Broadway show you can think of. And, and to hear she and her husband, Harry Danner, talk about their time being gypsies and performers. And 
it, it was it's so much fun to talk with her. She works so incredibly different than I do. The two of us are polar opposites, which is so great because it's fun to work that way. She she will stay hyper focused on one sort of thing for a long period of time and she'll revisit and revisit and rework in her head and then and so and and even after we've kind of gone through a thing, she'll come back to it again. And she goes, you know, I'm still thinking about this. And and I, I don't work that way. I look for a beautiful picture. I look for the meaning for things. And I want the actor to feel organically in their, in their moments. So it's really great to work with Dottie because she picks up that slack that, that I haven't seen. And, and, and it's probably, it's been really fun to, to have somebody that's a collaborator that, that, that really knows what the pieces that, that I've written about, but at the same time, I want to be able to get more, more information and more back from her. So it's a really cool volley that we've, we've come to play and I'm excited to go up next week and we get to dig in again for the next couple of days. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Now I'm excited about when your show is playing July 11th through the 30th, because as we mentioned previously on a Broadway bulletin, you know, the Stonewall rebellion started on the 28th, but it went into July. So I feel like, you know, Pride Month should go beyond June. You know, the Pride celebration <laughs> yeah. should keep going into July. So I feel like you're just a continuation of this wonderful celebration and rebellion with this show. And I want to ask, what is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences will take away? Well, I, uh, I'm i glad that you touched on that. I, I, I really feel like once the party has worn off of July, people will go back to learning and educating others on 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 the plights of what we've gone. It's just as June Juneteenth is not just a single day. You know, it's a celebration of you know of, of liberation for black black lives, and it's the same thing with this show. I really feel like even if one person walks away from this not knowing what had happened to these people in during the Holocaust. I think we won. And I think these this, this pop-up museum will really help the storyline go further. I would like to get it into colleges and, to, you know, to, to be able to tour it around and show people that these things are happening and try to break that cycle of uh, of fear. I think that's really what brings a lot of this to the forefront. You know, the hate comes from fear or unknowing. And so I, once we educate, I think it's harder to to dismiss these people's lives. Do you know what I mean? These people, my my life as well. <laughs> you know, I, I say these people, but, you know, I, I group myself in that group. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping people will get out of this whole thing. And I hope people, you know, it's interesting. I've done my last off-Broadway show I did was Fabulous Divas of Broadway, and I did 32 Divas of the Broadway stage to sort of like a mimicry of, you know, of, of the stories. And, and I kept thinking that it would be a great thing for the gay and lesbian culture. However, they didn't embrace that, which is interesting. It was the one group that didn't embrace it. And I think cause drag, cause it's not a drag show. I, I, I dress in these costumes and become these characters, but it's not drag per se you know, I, I don't lip sync and all that. And so I'm hoping this show 
the, the, the LGBTQ plus community will actually embrace and realize that this is, this is our story. This is something that needs to be told and we need to share it together. And so I'm hoping that happens. And I know that, you know, with the gay culture and the Jewish culture and, and the black lives and, and, and the Asian culture, you know, all these people that are being hated upon, if, if we all joined forces together and shared our positive love, I think that it could actually help change that our our narrative right now and bring people together, you know? Yes. Nothing is stronger than love. Just putting that out there. It's not just a catchphrase, but Amen. <laughs> well, my last question for this first part of the interview is who do you hope have access to Shantuz? I would I would really hope that we, especially with this production, I hope we can get theater companies, producers, people that that want to see the the message continued to, to bring it to a wider audience. But that being said, I want as many people to see this show as possible that can be educated uh, and, and truly see another part of history that has been kind of swept under the rug and hasn't been talked about. shift gears now and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better and i want to start by asking as our listeners know our kickoff question what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows inspire you or are just some of your favorites i am inspired every single time i see an artist write perform sculpt i i i i I love the fact that there are so many incredibly talented people out there and I I tend to gravitate to any art being good or bad because you know from bad we learn from as well and you know it, what what a critic might consider bad we can learn from each and every art form that's out there but however that being said Lynn Manuel Miranda is one of one of my my top lists because I'm Puerto Rican and I and I love the fact that that he's a playwright Puerto Rican uh, just activist and just all all around wonderful guy you know there's no pretense about him and and that's what I strive to 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 stay focused and and try to spread kindness and and be as present as possible as he does yes we love Mr. Miranda. He's an amazing person. He is. My daughter, it's funny, my daughter doesn't like theater. She likes theater, but she's not enamored by theater. And she just loves Lin-Manuel. And she was like, I have to meet him. And I was like, well, I can't do that. I, I've seen him in a couple of SAG screenings and things like that. But when he was doing Hamilton in, in Puerto Rico, we had a friend who was in the production. And so we flew to Puerto Rico and took her and we were on the second row and it was so fun. I'd already seen the show a couple of times to watch Hamilton with my daughter at, and just watch her the entire time and watch her cry through, you know, everything to see oh. her 
to be able to go backstage afterwards. And and what's so funny is how dumbfounded she was once she did get backstage. She 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 was speechless. She could not say anything. She was just in shock. And I think that's what it's all about, you know, bringing new people into the fold. And we have to continue to bring new work so that we can get new younger people back into the theater to to be our producers, our directors, our writers, our actors. You know, we need that. And I think right now theater is becoming so inaffordable, I guess. Is that a word? Inaffordable? Unaffordable? Not not affordable. (laughs) Whatever it is. And that's what I love about the Here Theater, Here Space, because they actually do $10 tickets for 10 tickets every show. And and I really think that that's important to get people to to get out there and and learn something new or, or try something new. You know, it doesn't cost you much and you might learn something. (laughs) Yes. Have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I've seen so many good shows. I'm so proud of my friend, Ali Mozzie. She she and her cast just won Kimberly Akimbo. I'm just over the moon thrilled for them. It's such a beautiful show. I was so happy that... It wasn't the big production. I loved Shuck. I loved Some Like It Hot so much. I loved it. Almost this whole entire season was really strong. And But I love the fact that it was this small theater that could, you know, small piece that could. It was just so perfect. And so many, it was so hard to get people, no matter how much I touted it, it was hard to get people to go see that show. I was like, you really have to see the show. It's amazing. And so finally, it's going to get its accolades and and, and people are going to start coming. But you're, when you did get friends to go see it, I guarantee it. They were like, oh, so good. Oh, totally. So good. totally. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for telling me about the show. It, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And it's so funny it doing opening. This is the only other, besides Crybaby, was the only other show that she originated. And when she was originating Crybaby, I was opening off-Broadway with the Fabulous Diva. So it's kind of funny. We're back together again doing, she's doing this brilliant piece, Kimberly Akimbo, and I'm getting ready to open Sean too. So it's kind of fun. And she, you know, she gets, it's it's the difference in in being Broadway and and off-Broadway when she, you know, gets all the the bells and whistles (laughs) that you get when you're on Broadway. (laughs) I love that. And, she, and it's so well deserved. She, you know, not a not a evil bone in her body, and she's just lovely. And the same person, I'll tell you, someone else that's incredible, and and that is, oh my gosh, I just completely uh, Katrina Link. She and I did a worked on a show years ago called Love Lace that was written by Charlotte Caffey from the Go Go's. She wrote the music for it, and Anna Warnocker and Jeffrey. Oh my gosh, I wanted to say Urban, but it's not Jeff Jeff Jeffrey Bowman, and and I working with her on that show is the first time that I had met her and it was like a sitting in a master class every single day on stage watching her and and listening to things that she disagreed with in her head but but her taking these notes and these things and and applying it the way that she could whether she disagreed with with you know the way that that it was delivered I, I, I these are the people that deserve to be where they are and to deserve these beautiful roles because they're just incredible performers, you know, and people. (laughs) 
Yes, that's the most important thing. When there are amazing people, they deserve everything and anything, which is why my heart leapt when Bonnie Milligan won the Tony. I was like, yes. <laughs> and Alex Newell and Jay Harrison G. I was like, yes. oh, oh, yes. All my love to just boom, boom, exactly. boom, boom. Well, I do want to skip ahead to my favorite question, and I'm so excited to hear yours because you've shared already so many, but what is your favorite theater memory? So many incredible ones. Well, I'll tell you the 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 moment in theater that changed my life and made me want to perform was going to see Peter Pan with my parents. It was a national tour. At You're from Utah. It, it wasn't a performing arts center when you were there, but it was in Bountiful. You know that big beehive dome sort mm-hmm. of thing? Right off the freeway near the car dealer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, they would bring in tours there. And, and we saw Peter Pan there. And I was like, I want to do that. And surprisingly enough, that was one of the first shows that I did. I ended up playing one of the boys in uh, Michael or John. I can't remember. The youngest one. Michael, right? Michael. Yeah, I played Michael and and then played Peter later on, so it was kind of cool. But that that was that was one of the big big ones and I and uh, and and actually Lovelace was one of the one of the changing moments of as far as theater. My husband was the one that told me it was so it was about Linda Lovelace and and Deep Throat and, and it was a musical version of that and it was a little uh, growing up in Utah I was a little bit more conservative and and it, it seemed like it was just not my cup of tea and my husband was like you are doing this <laughs> so we have, happened to get uh, married for our third time we had a, a reception when it was actually legal and I said well opening night is our wedding so do you want to do that? And so he's like, yep, you have to do it. So we, we got married during the day and at night we opened the show and it was, it was one of the most incredible, I got to meet some of the greatest people of my life and, and still really consider them all just lovely friends. You know, we went, we spent a year and a half on that show. We went to Edinburgh and performed it in LA for a year. And I really thought it was going to go somewhere, but, and it was, it was picked up by William Morris, so they were repping the show at the time. I really hope that it does go somewhere because I think Katrina could still do the piece and do it flawlessly. And I and I don't think I've aged out of the character that I played. So, <laughs> so let's do it. Yes, I love that. What what two great incredible memories right there? I love those. Thank so you. Thank you so much for sharing those. Well, are there any other projects or productions you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug? Well, as soon as this show's over in New York, I am going to LA to do a production of a show that I wrote called The Final Fair Final Final Farewell Tour of Dick and Dolores Del Rubio. My friend Andrew is is Dick and I am Dolores and we wrote the show together and and we do kind of a Vegas lounge act. We're doing it outdoors at the Buena Park Civic Theater out there, Theater Under the Stars and it's just beautiful. So I'm excited about that and just trying to keep going because there's a lot of stuff in the pipelines you just never know what's going to hit first, you know. That sounds amazing. And that theater sounds gorgeous. That's amazing. Oh, it is. It's beautiful. I've worked there for the past 23 years, I think. Maybe even longer than that. And do one show a season somewhere out there. And the we've, I've been lucky because I wrote a show called Rock on Broadway, which is a musical rockumentary of rock musicals. And they did that there. 
which is fun. And and so it's kind of neat to be able to come back there. They, they're, they're so for the arts. It's one of the last civic sort of theaters that still brings arts in. And I'm so blessed to be able to be part of them every year. Love That's a really cool thing. So if you ever get out to LA, <laughs> we're right behind Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> oh, that's cool. All right. Bucket list things. Check, check, check. <laughs> well, yeah. finally, if our listeners want more information about Shantus or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Uh, p- please go to shantusmusical.com. That's the easiest way. My email's on there and you can reach out there and I, I'm, I'm available for anything. I'll come to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> well, Alan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and share all your knowledge and stories. This has been a blast. I could talk to you for hours on end, swapping stories and, and people we know. This is incredible. You're so easy to talk to. So thank You're you so easy much. to talk to, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. This has been fun. My guest today has been the writer and performer Alan Palmer, whose new show Chanteuse is playing July 11th through July 30th at Here Art Center. Tickets and more information can be found at chanteusemusical.com. And we're going to have all of this information posted on our episode description, as well as on our social media. And do stay tuned to our social media for when we'll announce when we're attending. So you can join us for another Stage Whisper Night at the Theater. We'll all get together and see Chanteuse together and get together and talk about it afterwards. But in the meantime, head over to ShantouseMusical.com. Get your tickets for this great show starring Alan Palmer. July 11th through July 30th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.